Because it is Mother's Day, my wife has consented to speak for us, and she is one of the greatest mothers I know, the mother of my three sons, and, uh, and the love of my life. And so I am going to ask her if she will come and speak to us what the Lord has laid upon her heart this morning. And I did have an opportunity to, to just peek at her notes, and, uh, and I know you're going to be blessed, absolutely, wonderfully blessed. Uh, good, good word this morning, all right? So take your liberty in the Lord. And, and, and take my mask off? You can do that. <laughs> actually, I wanted to prove a point that you can actually accessorize with a mask. We, um, we have been deemed essential at the school district, and we've been serving meals since school closed on March 19th. We've been serving breakfast and lunch every day, and uh, I'm going to move this down just a smidge. So we've been um, serving breakfast and lunch every day, and we have got the most amazing community because our moms come through the line and say, hey, do you have enough masks? Can we make you masks? And I'm thinking... Ooh, I could have an array of masks. So my sister-in-law made me a couple that have Boston Terriers on them. I've got some purple ones. I've got a paw print. I've got beautiful sunflower masks. I've got all kinds. And so I've been very blessed. But yes, you can accessorize with a, with a mask and, um, and help make it look attractive. <laughs> I'll be glad when we don't have to wear them anymore, but it is what it is for right now, and I'm okay with that. I just want everybody to be well. Um, <laughs> so I hear that, um, that the camera adds 10 pounds to you, <laughs> on, you know, when you're on camera, and so um, thinking about that this morning, I thought, you know, I hope it was deemed non-essential. Yeah, I hope it was deemed non-essential and that doesn't actually happen. Um, so we actually had a, um, a Mother's Day service planned in February, and we had some special things that we were going to be doing for Mother's Day. And because of all of this, all of that was changed. And so my husband said, you know, are you still comfortable to speak? And I said, no, I'm really not. And, um, and so as soon as I said, no, I'm really not, I got that nudge. Yes, you are. No, no, I'm really not. I'm really not. And so I, I fought it for quite some time. And, um, and actually, it was just like two weeks ago that my husband asked me again, and I was like, yeah, I can do that. I can do it. I can do it. Because the Lord has just been working on this thought since February, since I presented it to our planning committee. And, um, and so um, on this Mother's Day, the title of my message, my thought this morning, my devotion, hate to call it a message or a, a sermon, or it's just, it's a devotion. So my title today is um, An Apron, The Reflection of Servitude. And so if you want to turn with me into 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 5, we're going we're gonna to read our key scripture from there. 1 Peter chapter 5. Oh, thank you so much. I don't know if that shows or not in the, in the video, 
But uh, I, I love this picture, and you'll find out a little bit later. I just love it. It just means so much to me. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5, and I'm going to read the scripture out of the Amplified Bible. It says, Likewise, you younger men of lesser rank and experience, be subject to your elders. Seek their counsel, and all of you, clothe yourself with humility toward one another. Tie aprons, tie a servant's apron around you. For God is opposed to the proud, the disdainful, the presumptuous, and he defeats them. But he gives grace to the humble. So let's just pray quickly this morning. Lord, as we jump into your word this morning, I pray that you would open my understanding, that you would help give me direction and convey what you have just been putting in my heart and my spirit since early February to share for this day. Things changed, situations happened, and, and we had to go a different route, but your word is still the same. And it still pricks my heart today like it did in February. And so, Father, I pray that I can just convey that with clarity of thought and mind this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So both King James and the New King James, and the message is all kind of wordy, and it has some of it in there, but the King James and the New King James both say to be clothed with humility. But I loved clothe yourself with humility toward one another and tie on a servant's apron that it says in the Amplified by a servant's apron. This Mother's Day morning, I'd like to share with you a few thoughts about my love for aprons and its deeper meaning of servitude. Uh, first, let me put on my apron. I brought an apron to wear. I, wear. I wear aprons every day, not just at work, but I wear them at home. If I'm cooking for pastor and myself, I put on my apron before I do anything else. I love them. When I'm cooking for my family... And all my children's feet are going to be under our table. I have my apron on. When I'm serving at church, whether it be for a funeral or a, a, a wedding or a family barbecue out in the park, I have my apron on. You can go back through our pictures and look. That one's red. I love, I love an apron. I have many aprons. I have uh, several aprons that are made out of denim that Barb Huff made. I have several of these in different variety of different um, styles. I have an apron. This one I love and cherish. It's a shirt that my baby brother wore. And my sister-in-law made this for me. So I love this. I feel connected to him when I'm wearing this apron. This apron... The boys will recognize. This was the only apron I had as a young mom. And so when I cooked, this is the apron I wore. This was my apron, and I've had it since Haas was a baby. And then this. This is a treasure to me. My very special friend Bonnie gave this to me. A snowman apron <laughs> because I absolutely love snowmen 
So I have an array, and this is just a few of the aprons that I have. But I wear them all, and they're all very important to me. Um, the whole concept of an apron speaks to my heart because it speaks to me as a mom, as a wife, and as a servant of the Lord. The purpose and meaning of an apron has grown and evolved over the years, as did its very name. This is kind of an interesting factoid. When, when um, uh, okay, it says the most commonly told story about language changing because of misunderstanding is the word apron. So apron actually started out as MAPA. And MAPA could be interchanged for a map or a tablecloth because if you put a map on a table and it covered the table, it became a tablecloth. So map and tablecloth were both called a MAPA. And originally, let me go back to my notes here because I want to get this right. The French of the Middle Ages took up the word and replaced the MAPA with a naperon. So it was a naperon. That's what it was called. And then the English in the middle dropped the E and called it a napron. And then sometime in the 1400s to 1500s, when people said a napron, enough times people were mishearing it, and instead of saying an Napron, I need an napron. They only heard an apron. And so um, the, the phrase apron became the uh, definition, the word for apron, and they dropped the N. And so it was just apron. And you have to go way back in time to find these words in history. But they changed it simply because people were hearing it as an apron. They were hearing an apron. So that's a kind of little funny little factoid. The definition of an apron is an apron is a functional accessory that lays over your outfit to protect clothing and skin from incidental stain and marks. An apron, apron styles have adapted, I'll pull that up a little bit, have adapted to the taste and the times to suit the values and the jobs current in the current culture. Practical, fashionable as I have shown you, sentimental, the nature of an apron has made it a cherished accessory for years. Because aprons provide comfort, protection, and a sense of preparedness, the apron will always be a go-to garment for people who serve, work, clean, entertain, or create, such as a hotel maid. And you can just go through all the all the people in your mind that would be wearing some kind of a covering or an apron. A blacksmith, a potter, a painter, a waiter, and even the backyard barbecuer. An apron is neutral, gender neutral, so it doesn't matter. Guys wear them, girls wear them. Same purpose. In days gone by, women only had three or four dresses that they wore throughout the week. Days gone by. A dress took so much more material to make and to longer and to launder. And in those days, they didn't wash their clothes every day. They maybe washed their clothes once a week. So to have three or four dresses, and that's all you had, to have them covered was priceless. And so women had more aprons than they had dresses. 
less material, less time to launder. Um, so Gary has really fond memories of his grandma and her apron. Pictures like this of grandmas from yesteryear with their hairs up in a bun, wearing a kitchen apron. Can I remember the first time Gary saw this picture. Absolutely brought tears to his eyes. Because this is an image of his grandma. Stature, hair, apron, everything is an image of his grandma. Those, those thoughts are just priceless to him. It takes him back to a time when he's in her home, in her kitchen, and can absolutely feel her love. And I didn't put all of the ones that I found because once I started going through Pinterest, I found so many like this that reminded me of this time. This time when an apron was really a valuable kitchen item, a household item for every woman. Aprons were used for multiple chores, hot pads to get cornbread out of the oven, a bowl when you're picking vegetables out of the garden, wiping the tears of a child, and so on. The apron protected what was valuable underneath. An apron is also a symbol of servitude. If you're sitting in a restaurant and two people walk by you and you are in desperate need of a coffee refill, which one are you going to ask for a refill? You're going to ask the one in an apron because you know she's serving. The other one might just be going to the bathroom, but you're going to know that the one with the apron is serving. So you're going to ask that person for a coffee. To me, an apron also represents a beautiful spiritual meaning of serving others. When we discover the beauty of servitude, our approach, our approach and our perspective towards others change dramatically. The kingdom of God is all about servitude, and the greatest example is Jesus. In Mark 10 and 45, Scripture says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus' heart and commitment to serve brought us eternal life and salvation. And as a woman in the kingdom of God, we know very well that we have been called to serve. We serve our husbands. We serve our children. We serve our friends and our community. And we serve out of love. Galatians 5 and 13 tells us that for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but do not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature that we all have. When I first read that, it's like, sinful nature? Oh, yeah, 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 I do have a sinful nature that I battle every single day. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. <sighs> serve one another in love. Put on the apron and serve in love. The secret to serve effectively is to do it with love. It has been said many times to love and to serve is a simple choice. But no one can obligate you or shame you into serving. It's a matter of heart. Sometimes it takes years for us to really understand how to serve one another in love. So I'd like to share just a short story with you this morning out of Genesis chapter 24 that demonstrates a servant's heart. And I've read this story so many times in so many different Bible versions. And, and each time I pick out a little something different in it that just stands out to me. I love this story. 
So chapter 24 in Genesis, starting in verse number one, and I have it all printed out because there's no way I can read the small print of my Bible. (laughs) So I have it in a font 18 size so I can read it. Now Abraham was old and well advanced in age, and the Lord blessed everything that Abraham had. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house who ruled over him, Please put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country and go to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. And the servant said to him, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? And Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not. I can just see Abraham. You beware that you do not take my son back to that land. The Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family, and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, To your descendants I give this land, and he will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for him from this, for your son from there. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you are released from the oath. Only do not, and he repeats that again. I think he was very adamant. Do not take my son back to that land. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. And then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed. For all his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. And he made his camels to kneel down outside the city by a well of water at the evening time, the time when the women would come out to draw water. And then he said, this is the servant talking to Abraham's God. O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master. He wanted success, but his purpose was show kindness to my master. Give my master what his heart desires. Show kindness to him. And behold, here I stand at the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, the servant is saying this to Abraham's master, to our God, whom I say, please let down your picture, pitcher that I may drink. And she will say, drink, and I will give your camels drink as well. Let her be the one that you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And it happened before he could even finish speaking. Is that not like our God? He knows what we have need of before we even ask. He likes us to ask. He, I love when my, when my grandkids ask for something. I know they want it. I just want them to ask. That way I can say, well, of course, baby. Yes. Um, And it happened before he even finished speaking that, behold, Rebecca 
came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. And now the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin. No man had known her. And she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to her to meet her, and he said, Please let me drink of the water of your pitcher. So she said, Drink, my lord. And then quickly let down her pitcher to her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Exactly what he prayed. To me, that is just mind-blowing. Can you imagine how the servant felt when she said to him exactly what he prayed to Abraham's master? Amazing. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran back to the well to draw water to serve all of his animals, all ten camels. So here's a little factoid. The journey was about 450 arduous and dangerous miles. And I got that from the Dakes Reference Bible. 450 miles he traveled, which on camel would have taken 25 to 30 days. I can't even imagine that long on a camel. And a camel can drink 30 gallons of water in a matter of 13 minutes. They are the only, um, their bodies rehydrate faster than any other mammal on earth. 30 gallons of water in 13 minutes. That was mind-blowing. Rebecca said after giving the servant a drink that she would also water all the camels. Ten camels, 30 gallons each, because the scripture says when the camels finished drinking. When they finished drinking. So me, I'm thinking, yeah, she must have gave them a lot of water after coming 450 miles. Rebecca gladly, and for someone she had never met or seen before, put on her apron of servitude and served, going the extra mile to not only give um, the servant a drink, but he also, she also watered all 10 of his camels. She had no idea that her life was about to change in a very big way. Going down to verse 21, it says, And the man wondering at her remained silent, so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. And I was sharing this with Pastor this morning, and you could build a whole sermon on that scripture alone. And the man wondering at her, hmm, Remain silent so, all, so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. He watched and he was silent. He didn't jump up and down. He didn't jump out. He didn't start. This is it. This is it. He watched in silent. He gave space for the time for the Lord to just open up this beautiful picture that he was painting for the master. And so it was, in verse number 22, when the camels had finished drinking, that the man took a golden ring and two bracelets of gold for her wrist. And he said, Whose daughter are you? And the man bowed his head down and worshipped the Lord. 
And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. So the young woman ran and told her mother's household these things. As a wife and a mother, I get great joy out of serving my family. Can you imagine the elation in her family? Scripture tells us in Matthew chapter 20, beginning in verse 26, Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be a servant, and whoever wants to be first must be a slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus made himself of no reputation, but rather took on the form of a bondservant, it says in Philippians chapter 2. That word reputation literally means that Jesus emptied himself from being recognized as to who he truly was and took on the form of a slave. Totally emptied himself. And I was thinking about that as a mom empty myself from being a mom? How would I even do that? I go different places and people want to know, are you, are you Cody's mom? Are you Dusty's mom? Aren't you Haas's mom? I'm, I'm asked that all the time and it's almost like that's my, my identity since my children were born is I'm a mom. I'm Cody, Dusty, and Haas's mom. You know, and, and Jesus is saying in this scripture, he emptied himself of all that deity, of all of that God that he was. He emptied himself of that and made himself to look as a slave. That to me is mind-blowing. In John 13, 5, we're seeing that Jesus filled a basin of water. Jesus filled a basin of water and began to wash the dusty, dirty, nasty feet of his disciples. Some people don't like feet. I know. I, I have somebody in my family who absolutely does not like feet. Don't touch your feet. Don't talk about feet. Feet or feet. Ick. But Jesus stooped down and he washed the feet of his disciples. Dirty, nasty. They, they had sandals. They didn't have socks and tennis shoes and boots that they wore. They did not. So their feet were icky. But Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, stooped down to wash those feet. In John 13, 15 through 17, I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. What? What? The whole picture of that is Jesus emptying himself of his reputation, stooped down as a commoner, to wash the feet of his disciples. And now he's telling us, empty yourself of all your icky pride, and I want you to be a servant. I want you to serve others. Do as I have done. Paul tells us in Philippians 2, 3 and 4, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than yourself. A servant does not serve out of convenience, but rather out of conviction and obedience. 
Many will serve God when it's convenient. If I could fit it into my, my, uh, my time, I can fit it into my calendar on my phone, I'll see if I can do it, if I can fit it in. If it's convenient for me, I'll try. But if it's not convenient, chances are we're not going to do it. If I have to sacrifice something to serve, I may think twice about it. A servant will serve others before himself. And please don't mistake that for weakness or a doormat. They are strong, determined, and intentional in action. A servant recognizes by serving others that they indeed are serving Christ. Another word that stood out to me was intentional. It's not happenstance. doesn't just happen. It's intentional. I purposely serve. I did it on purpose to serve my brethren, to serve my sister. I did it on purpose. I was intentional in that action. Matthew 25 and 40 says, I say to you, in as much as you have done it to the least of these, that you've done it to me. And now a quick look on the other side of servitude, one that's not very pretty. To serve one another can be troubling at times. The demand is big, and it requires us, again, to be intentional. Why? Because it's easy to serve somebody you love. That's no problem. To serve somebody you love is easy. But there's a hidden beauty and a treasure that's only discovered when we decide to love and to serve those who have hurt us, hurt our feelings, have defamed our character, have called it publicly into question, to serve that person. Christ is requiring me to serve those that I love, but he's also requiring me to serve those who have mistreated me with that same attitude of servitude, if I can use those two words together. With that same attitude, he's requiring me to serve when it's easy and love and serve when it's difficult and I really don't want to love. He's requiring me to do both those actions with the same passion. That's when serving becomes very difficult. Our apron challenges us to serve beyond our comfort zone, to serve beyond our feelings. It challenges us to keep our attitude in check. Ty doesn't always do a good job with that. We must serve with the attitude of Christ. Our actions have the potential to change lives and hearts without words. Just our actions. Let's put on our apron and use it as an armor of the servant. It will serve as a layer to protect us and to keep us white for his coming. It will help to guard our hearts. Wearing our apron will help us to adapt our service according to the season and the place that we are in. I believe it also serve as a reminder at times to stay humble and not look for someone to serve us, but rather to always be aware of opportunities to serve. 
and this is a, this is silly. I I know I and I it's just so commonplace. This is very silly analogy, but when we go to um, when we go to a restaurant and we have a server and he or she is tending to our needs and all of that as they do in a restaurant. I, at the end of our meal, I stack our plates. I put everything together. I take my napkin and I wipe down the table. And I know I'm not the only one in here that does that. And I just kind of tidy everything up. Because while they're serving me, I'm looking for an opportunity to serve back. And because that's kind of my nature, and really serving does come very natural to me. And, and, and I think that in doing so, I'm helping them out as they have served me, I'm serving back. And so um, it's just kind of a quirky thing. And when I use a bathroom, I take the paper towel and I wipe down the, <laughs> the bathroom sink before I throw it away. And it's just, you know, it's just serving. It's just the little things that you do that you stop and think, oh, I'm serving someone else. Oh, that was easy. That was easy. Aprons are provided, or aprons also provide a comfort and a sense of preparedness, so an apron will always be our go-to garment for the kingdom woman. No one will have to wait for you to be ready if you keep it on. Sometimes at the end of our day, we might be tired and tempted to just take it off and say, you know, I'm, I'm, I've served all day. I don't want to serve anymore. I don't want to serve anymore. But I say, leave it on. Leave it on. Let it become so much a part of who you are that even when you're tired, you're not tempted to just not serve anymore. This is not about who notices you. It's not about the applause you might receive. It's not about titles. It's about serving others and serving in love. It has everything to do with carrying out the Great Commission. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. And that's in Philippians as well in chapter 2. Huh. Not looking into your own interest but each of you look to the interest of others. Wow. Imagine what our world would look like if we applied just that scripture. I'm going to not only just look out what's for what's good for Ty, but I'm going to look out for what's good for my buddy Sandy or my daughters, Mark. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look out for what's good for all of them. Miss Myrna, what's good for her? Oh, well, I can serve her in that capacity. This morning, we have a great responsibility. Ladies, older women, oh, I'm in that category. (laughs) Older women teach the younger women how to love their husbands, how to care for their children, how to be self-controlled and kind, you know, some people in general are just not kind. And, and that's a, a challenge. 
because the, our, our, our carnal character wants to just be so un, uh, just as unkind as they were to us. But we need to be kind. And we need to teach our young women to be kind in their, in their homes, around their friends. And it may not seem like much right now. Miss Sydney, she's just a high school girl. Well, when she's a woman, we'll teach her how to do that. No. We need to be displaying that right now so that she sees how to do that when she becomes a woman and then even an older woman. Teach them to put on the apron of servitude and serve out of love. I hope that when you leave this place today that you will look at an apron as a gift to serve others, not just a physical apron, but that spiritual apron that you can put on to serve others. Maybe you go out and get your mail and your neighbor is, you know, doesn't walk very well, so you grab their mail and take them their mail or you take them their newspaper. Simple things like that are servitude. It's putting on our apron and it's serving our fellow man. Um, and in turn, you will find value for your soul in serving. So as we go back to our homes, our families, and our jobs, let's remember 1 Peter chapter 5. And I prefer reading this particular scripture in the Amplified. Clothe ourselves with humility toward one another. Tie on the apron of a servant and serve with an attitude of love. Amen? All right. Well, that's all I have this morning. So let's just, I'm going to just close with prayer if that's okay. So this morning, God, I have, <laughs> I have done my best to convey what you have shared with me over the last few months. I appreciate the fellowship that we have had you and I together as you were pouring this into me. And forgive me for my stubbornness to say, no, I don't want to share it. But Father, also thank you for that nudge that just said, do it. I want you to do it. Thank you for that. Thank you for that second opportunity to say yes. Father, I appreciate it. I pray that as we go through our daily activities, that when we see an apron, we are reminded of the importance of serving and the heart and the love that goes into serving. And Father, this being Mother's Day, I know there's many households that maybe can't be together with their moms because of this incredible virus that's hit our nation. They can't be together. And Father, there's families that we know of whose mothers are no longer with them, a cherished part of their family, and they're no longer here on this earth. I pray that you would just wrap your arms of love around them and tenderly hug them today. Help them through this day. Help them through the emotion of separation, and the emotion of loss. Father, we just praise you and thank you today. Thank you for all of our moms. Thank you for their guidance, for their patience, for their love, for teaching us what to do and what not to do, Lord. We thank you for all of our moms. We thank you especially for our moms here at EWC. That though we can't be together like we have for the past 10 years, I pray that you would bless them right where they're at with their families, God. 
that you would convey to them how important they are to our church family and their families as well. Father, touch each one, and thank you for all that are here this morning. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name.